0: GP 2020 continues its bizarre thread that not even a Hollywood or a comedy sketch writer could have written. Le Mans in mid-October served up exactly what people thought with the weather, but not what people thought with the results, because Danilo Petrucci on the Ducati has now added a wet race win to his fen- fantastic Dry Mugello 2019 victory. Championship leader Fabio Quattararo failed to capitalise, but he was the leading Yamaha over the line in ninth. Valentino Rossi, unfortunately, failed to finish his third race in a row, whilst Jack Miller retired whilst knocking on the door of a victory. Second place man in the championship, Jan Mir, was nowhere in 11th. But Alex Marquez, whose best to the beginning of the race had been a seventh, then came out getting a second. Toby Moody, Simon Patterson here. Simon, it gets better and better. We've now got seven winners from nine Grand Prix in 2020.
1: It's the year that just keeps on giving, isn't it? Like you say, you couldn't have written a script for this that anyone would have believed. We just keep getting turn up for the book. We keep getting unexpected results. We keep getting, I say bizarre weather, but let's be honest, we all expected a bit of rain at Le Mans in, uh, in October because you expect rain at Le Mans pretty much any month of the year. That's just Le Mans, isn't it? We knew from the start that this was the biggest chance we had all year of having a wet race, but it's also our first wet race since Valencia 2018. That day that it absolutely poured down for all three classes. So it's been a while. We had a whole class of title contender who have never raced a MotoGP bike in the wet. Because Fabio Quartararo, Juan Mir, they've all joined the class since that last wet race. So it was always going to be unpredictable. It was always going to be a tricky day. It was always going to be a day where you had to be super careful. And yeah, that's exactly what we saw another winner a very very popular winner because everyone loves Danilo and uh the 2020 season just keeps on giving
0: Alex Marquez has never raced in the wet nor Miguel Oliveira the list can go on and on can't it but as you say it was uh, a turn up for the books a regular occurrence of course that it rains at Le Mans well that's a given um Petrucci bolted from the start With hindsight, you look back at the race, he was always going to win it, but was he? There was that near coming together between himself, uh, Alex, sorry, uh, Paul, Andrea, and Jack into the left hander at the back of the back straight. I thought they were all going to go down. (laughs) How they all came out of it upright, I still don't know. But Jack Miller ran on, he then returned back to the track before the uh, before the chicane at the end of the circuit. Uh, eventually Jack Miller retired. Let's 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 focus on him first, shall we? Just take us through what the reason was for, for Jack coming in for yet another retirement.
1: So we're not actually entirely sure what happened to Jack Miller last night because uh he didn't do a media debrief. Um we saw after the race that there was a bit of a temper tantrum in the garage, um obviously the second weekend that he's a mechanic, had a mechanical problem, and you can pretty much understand his frustration. I have heard today that it was an engine problem, which is obviously something we've already seen this year with Peko Bagnaya being denied a debut podium back in Jaref in the second race of the season, thanks to an engine problem. So it's, yeah, it maybe something to be a little bit concerned about with Pramac. Uh, given that they they seem to be racking up those. You know, we spent a lot of time at the start of the year talking about Yamaha's engine problems. But it's quite interesting to see that maybe there's something going on at Ducati that needs a little bit of digging as well.
0: Yes, but just like we've discussed about Yamaha with their potential engine problems, like Hareth 2... They had a 1-2-3 at Hareth too. And Ducati, well, they nearly had a 1-2-3 at Le Mans this weekend gone. But eventually Danilo did win the race. So, yes, we all know that wet weather masks some weaknesses and aids other people's strengths. We always know that Petrucci was quick in the wet. Remember that? pouring wet Silverstone, 2015, 2016. um, The one that Valentino was victorious in, he was on the podium there on a Pramac Ducati. So he is like Jack when it rains, all bets are off for him. And, of course, we now know that Alex Marquez is one of those kind of people as well. But, yeah, Ducati, you couldn't make it up. Um, Davizioso, out of the championship contenders, if I could put that in inverted commas, was the strongest man on the
1: day, and he was fourth. He was even lucky to be fourth in the end because it just shows really how crazy things are at the minute. You know, Andrea Dovizio is a master of tyre conservation, cooked his tyres and spent the, the last five laps of the race dropping backwards through the grid because he just couldn't ride the bike anymore. He said afterwards he nearly crashed like 10 times just trying to ride round. Um, that's, that's very unusual for him. And, you know, there's got to be a, <laughs> there's got to be a sense of irony somewhere in the fact that in the season where he had his best shot at winning the championship because Marquez wasn't there, he still managed to get beaten by a Marquez on a day where he should have been in the podium.
0: Mm, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, so it was three different manufacturers on the podium, Ducati with Petrucci, Honda with Alex, Polis Bargaro with the KTM in third position. Cut through the order, 6th, 5th, all the way up to that 3rd position. Very happy. We know the bike goes well in the wet. See what happened at the end of 2018, the last race at Valencia, when he got that first podium for the uh, for the Austrians. So, yeah, a bit of a thing. I want to focus, though, on, on the championship again, and I touched on it at the top of the broadcast. Fabio Quattararo, best Yamaha, championship leader, ninth. He got away with it, if only that Mia was two places behind him and scoring two points less.
1: Who would have thought that Fabio Quaderaro, poor position man, would have finished yesterday's race in ninth and still extended his championship lead? Eh? I think what we saw yesterday was maybe the first time all season that the championship contenders have thought about the championship. Uh, Mia had a terrible qualifying, got caught up with Rossi's crash in the first lap, dropped backwards. And then had to pick his way through the field until he found Quaderaro and Vinales. And I think maybe at that point kind of thought, you know what? All I have to do is finish behind these guys. Same with with Cuadraro. He started in pole position, dropped backwards through the race in his first ever wet MotoGP race. But as he was dropping backwards, noticed that at no point did he go past uh, Mir and Vinales. And the only time that we saw him really taking any risks was at the end of the race, whenever Mir did pass him and he was forced to respond and and win that little scrap in between them. Um, He admitted yesterday it's the first race all year that he's thought about the championship during the race. And uh, I think it was just a case of playing it safe, really, for all three of them, Vinales included. Even if Maverick, Maverick continues to astound me, um with, with some of the strange strange decisions he takes uh he admitted yesterday after the race that he decided that the best way to start the bike yesterday was to switch off all of the electronic rider aids all of the launch control and do it by feel. the problem is as you will well know toby le Mans is probably the noisiest circuit of the season got to the grid 21 other motor gp bikes around him huge amount of noise in between those two concrete gunstands couldn't hear his own bike over the noise of everyone else fluffed the start just bizarre
0: uh, i'm not trying to stir a hornet's nest but is he the new john kaczynski
1: <laughs> i've said for a while he's the new <laughs> danny pedroza but you know you know
0: yeah.
1: you, the, uh, you know it, it's it's uh,
0: there's a point at which you can't reinvent the wheel. Now, uh, you know, at amateur motorsport, you can sometimes turn off the traction control and yep. it does work. But not when there's been millions of yen and euros and dollars put into something for years. I mean, traction control has been on MotoGP bikes pretty well since they started, yep. and they've been and it gets exponentially better two years every two years yep. or so. Uh, I won't say every year, but it's pretty darn clever the stuff that goes on in the back of the garage, with the with the with the strategy they call yes. it, how the power is delivered, and yada yada yada. Yad. Every corner is different, every torque curve is different for every corner on the track,
1: and then he goes and does that. You, you do have to wonder <laughs> if maybe a part of it was having not having the same amount of input from the people in the background who make those strategies because six of the Yamaha engineers from Japan who normally are in charge of all that sort of stuff spent this weekend working out of their hotel room in Andorra where they're under quarantine after one of them failed a coronavirus test. So maybe just not having them on site has encouraged Maverick to do something rather daft.
0: We weren't party to those conversations that decided to turn it off, but for Esteban Garcia, who's his crew chief, he will have known about that, and there's a point at which the crew chief says no, no. and then of course I'm going to criticise my own statement here. It is the rider's backside is going to hospital if it goes wrong. I'm a big believer in that, you know. If, if mm-hmm. it's, there's only one person who's going to hurt himself on the motorcycle, but hmm. oh well, there you go. Well, it bagged him a <laughs> uh, bagged him a tenth position. Uh, yeah, how bizarre.
1: Well, Which, you know, isn't isn't Mavericks' worst result of the mm, year. Mm, mm. I, I, I find
0: that unfathomable with a budget of 50, 60, 70 million euros and somebody turns off traction control at the start or the launch control, call it what you will. I find that, uh, that quite bizarre. But you're absolutely right about noise in that place. I spent six hours there for the uh, 24 hours at night doing the night shift up and down the pit lane and um, for the cars, that is. And I had not only my earbuds in so that I could listen to the to the TV producer and the program, but also and not just the normal cans over my head. But I took the extra special, expensive Peltor ear defenders that I've got at home. And even then, you come out and your ears are ringing. It's a very,
1: very noisy place. Yeah. Um, it is. It and uh, it and the Red Bull Ring. I think because of those two grandstands on each side of the track are, for me, generally the, the noisiest two of the year. Yeah. Uh, coming back to
0: Quattararo, he might have kept a cool head. It would have been interesting to know how he got on, had it been a full house and a non-COVID restricted race with only 4,900 people at the place. Can you imagine if there were sixty-five, seventy thousand Frenchmen all cheering on Quattararo? there has been form for the local to not do so well because the emotion is quite (laughs) high. So my kind of take on it is I actually think that Quattararo did a good job considering he didn't get too wound up.
1: Yeah, I agree completely. Um, I think it it was a day for calm heads. It was a day for damage limitation in a championship battle. And he, he did the bare minimum he needed to do. He took the least amount of risks necessary to maintain his title lead. And it all worked out for him.
0: His title lead continues to be just 10 points ahead of Joan Mir. Andrea De Vizioso, 18 points off the overall leader in the World Championship, Quattararo. Vinales, 19 points off the lead. And then there is the gap. Then it goes to 34 points back to now Taka Nakagami. Morbidelli, you touched on him, didn't score with the other Patronus Yamaha, had an off. Crutchley had an off. Rabat had an off. Bradley Smith had an off. And Valentino, I looked at the replay. I looked, I made the screen bigger. I put it on the big screen. He had his own accident. He wasn't touched. He just maybe turned a bit of a tighter radius is the only take I can take on it into that left-hander. And he tipped down the road. I can't think,
1: and I haven't had a moment to look it up, when he last had three non-scores. Believe it or not, I thought the same thing. And I went back and looked at it, and it was the middle of last season. There was a run of three oh, dismay, in the middle. Fooled. Yeah, I know. I was, I was stunned as well. But then whenever you look back historically, it just doesn't happen. Um, for whatever reason, his inconsistency, you know, he's always been a super consistent writer. He's always been a guy that was always there every week. He's the guy that nearly won the 2015 title and the 2016 title just by being there um, and rarely setting the world on fire. But that's kind of fallen away in the last couple of seasons, especially this year, because we're seeing him make mistakes that he doesn't need to make anymore. You know, he he made a stupid turn one crash yesterday, or for lap one crash. In Barcelona, he was under no real pressure and just tucked it and went down. Same in Mizano. Not really what we expect from him. Very strange and... Um, I'd imagine that there was quite the debrief last night, quite the inquest into not just what happened yesterday, but what's gone wrong over the last few weeks.
0: I think it would have been a debrief, a few words, because it's the unspoken. I think it's the unspoken, that kind of tense feeling. Uh, the rider will take it on his own shoulders. The team will be like, "Come on!" But because he's Valentino, it's very difficult to point the finger at Valentino and say, <laughs> "Come on, ride better." When you, when you, you've got all those <laughs> championship victories. So nine championship victories. Yeah. Uh, since you've been talking, I've gone back to his first year in 500cc, and I and I I can't remember every single race, <laughs> but he didn't finish the first two races. But then he he finished the rest of them. Bar one. So he never had three on the trots. He only had three non-scores in his first season on a 500. But anyway, we can go round and round in circles. I was more than surprised to see Valentino go down the road at that first corner. But then again, we all knew that somebody would go down at the first corner at Le Mans. Of course we did. In the wet. It's in the script. Somebody's going to go down. A few years ago, de went down, and it's like, what are you doing? (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, But anyway. But anyway, uh, wouldn't be easy riding around Le Mans in the wet. Uh, they all deserve a medal. So, uh, so yeah. Um, shame for Bradley Smith. I, I thought, come on, that's going to lift the spirits of Aprilia because Aprilia are at the back of the team uh, championship. They're at the back of the Constructors' championship and they need a bit of a lift. After the lift that they had at the beginning of the season in pre-season testing a couple of days before the first race, it was all going to happen. But he went down the road. Um, I felt for him. I felt for him.
1: Yeah, me too. I thought that there was a there was a chance there to do something really special. He showed through the weekend, you know, how comfortable he was in the wet with that bike, how comfortable he was in the weird, cool conditions with that bike. But uh, the problem that caught him out yesterday is the problem that keeps catching a out. It's just lack of time. They, you know, the first ever day with the 2020 bike in the wet conditions was Friday's FP1. The second ever session with that bike in the wet was Sunday's race. So they've got no time to build traction control strategies, to build engine management strategies. Everything's new to them. Um, you know, Bradley jokingly said on on, uh, on Friday after a big crash that he was quite glad that he'd got the crash out of the way, found where the wet spots were, but they needed to dial in the traction control better. And he said yesterday after the crash again that they just hadn't enough experience, enough time to do that. So what they really need is for it to pour down at Valencia, which there's every possibility of doing, Um, give them four or five sessions of the wet, now that they've had this weekend's data to take away, to analyze, to tinker with, and then come back and have another go with, and then really see what they can do.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, on the cards, the norm would be that these two Aragon races coming up and then the two Valencias will be dry, uh, particularly Aragon. Um, I've just come back from that part of the world and it's been 31 degrees uh, about an hour away from Jerez, which I know is a bit further south, but it's a very nice temperate uh, conditions down there at the moment. Um Anyway, it could rain anywhere at any time, so we can we can surmise and talk rubbish about the weather until it actually <laughs> rains. Um, so, yeah, uh, the Frenchman who we haven't touched on, it was the invisible man, I thought, yesterday, and he deserves a huge amount of credit. Joan Zarco, what a boy, he came up to fifth position, a couple
1: more laps, he would have been on the podium. Absolutely. Fastest man on track by a big margin for the last sort of four or five laps of the race. Just, you know, we know he's a good wet weather rider, we know that he has no experience of the Ducati in the rain and that it was going to be a bit of a slow start combined with a poor qualifying, but he just he just quietly did the job yesterday, didn't he? Just mm. chipped away, got it done, didn't do anything wrong, solid points on the board, and another, you know, hey, Ducati, look at me, I'm doing a good job for you, aren't I?
0: He certainly is. He certainly is. So... We've got now five races remaining. 125 points still on the table. That is, um, well, that covers the entire championship runners, but it's coming down to Quattararo from Mia, from Davizioso, from Vinales. Can we see somebody bridging a 35 point gap with 125 on the table? I can't. But then again, it is 2020, <laughs> and you never know. So it is Quattro Mia Dovizioso, Vinales. Is your money still on Mia?
1: Yes, I think it is. Uh, I think a few of the next races will suit him, certainly more than they'll suit Quattro Uh The Yamaha is going to struggle at Aragon, all those long straights, not so many fast corners. That's not good for them, but Suzuki seems to be able to deal with that a little bit better. So, uh, yeah, I think the next two races or weekends for for Mir to do something, even if Ducati are the clear favorite for the win. Valencia is a bit more of a mixed bag. Ducati, or sorry, Yamaha can do well there, but then so can Suzuki, because it's a a circuit that suits the strengths of both of their bikes. Portimao is a complete wild card. Um, You know, who knows what's going to happen there. But yeah, I think on that balance, Mir just has a little bit of an advantage over Cuadraro. But, um, you know, like you say, it's 2020. Anything can happen. It's still mathematically possible that Mark Marquez can win the title. He's on my list. How's that for mental?
0: Depends who you speak to. Depends what you read. He's coming back tomorrow. He's coming back next year. What's your take?
1: I I genuinely think they don't know when he's coming back yet. And everything to the contrary is just speculation. Um, He'll... He, he learned a tough lesson this year after the second race in Jerez about coming back when you're fit and not coming back when you feel like you should come back. So, uh, you know, there's nothing to lose at the minute. Or nothing to gain, sorry. There's no benefit to to an unfit Marquez wobbling around middle of this pack, um, damaging his own reputation and potentially damaging his body further. So he's just going to take it easy. They're gonna see how things pan out. They're gonna see how the arm is feeling, how the strength is coming back, how the bone is healed, and then uh, you know I think what we will get is just a, a Wednesday press release. Oh, by the way, Mark's back this weekend. Well, that's curious. It
0: is Stefan Bradle who says it's just on a race by race deal for him. There's uh, it is just week by week. Mayo, There was a test at Mayo in Portugal before the Le Mans race. A few people went. Uh there was a line that I read. Was it from Sylvan? You know, it's Valencia with hills. No one will be able to
1: overtake. <laughs> was it from Sylvan? Uh, I don't think it was Sylvan, but yeah, it came from someone. And it it's yeah. It's gonna be a difficult race. Um to to make a bit of a break because it is such an unusual circuit. But I think there's a few corners that you can slam up the inside of someone. I think it won't quite be uh the sort of Valencia, um, can we say snooze fest? I don't like Valencia. It's, it's one of my least favorite circuits on the yeah, calendar. me too. I think it's a terrible place to end the championship because it produces quite boring racing. So, um, yeah, I I uh, I'm quite looking forward to seeing Mau. And when you look at what happens in Superbikes there, it generally makes it quite interesting races. So. Fingers crossed it's not uh, not as dull as that quote would suggest. <laughs> we shall
0: see. We shall see. Uh, what was the atmosphere like at Le Mans? There were a few people let in, just under 5,000 people at the track. Um, a handful of journalists. There seemed to be less and less journalists going at the moment. But what was the atmosphere like?
1: Strange. Um, Le Mans is somewhere that I always associate with huge crowds, uh, 24 hour racing as well as uh as well as MotoGP because I've been there quite a bit for both, um and it it was just yeah quite odd very quiet, um but at the same time really it was kind of a strange apprehension to the paddock to having fans back especially whenever you know you're looking across from the media center into that big grandstand opposite you and it very much looked like no social distancing no masks not much in the way of uh avoiding you know avoiding physical contact or maintaining protocols so yeah i think people were quite on edge this weekend actually it's not helped that france's covid cases are through the roof obviously so um yeah a bit of a bit of a tense weekend in the paddock really
0: are there plans for the remaining 3 venues to allow spectators through the gate
1: Nothing in Puerto from what we know. Valencia are talking about it, but given that uh, the situation in Spain is really, really not very good at the minute, I'm not sure how that's going to work. And then, bizarrely, um, Portugal are talking about uh, having a full house. There's talk of 80,000 spectators coming to F1 there and similar numbers for us. So... Yeah, not quite sure how that'll play out, but uh, you know, it it because the situation's so fluid at the minute, everything changes week by week, anyway, doesn't it? So it's just a case of wait and see what happens.
0: We will five races. My goodness me, I'm not going to miss a minute. I tell you that. <laughs> I star- I watched the race uh, in a in a Spanish bar yesterday, and uh, yeah, just can't get enough of it, can't get enough of it. And everybody that I've bumped into, who's what I call a floating viewer, they can dip in, they can dip out. Over the years, I just like, oh yeah, can't get enough of it, can't get enough of it. Isn't it a great season? I said, it's one of those jewels that happens now and again. These are the good old days. This is a golden year. And with five grand prix remaining i can't wait um i'm going to be turning the phone off and making sure the internet's clear so that i can watch these races <laughs> without anything dropping yeah 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 what a shame for the fans track side but at least we were able to see it so that's the main thing that's the main thing exactly yeah, that's good i was at the the finish of the rally the andalusia rally rally raid uh, we were stood in the middle of a plowed field waiting for the cars to uh, to come to the finish line and my cameraman got his phone out and I thought, I recognise that voice. And it was Steve Day and Bertie on the donner app. And I went, oh, oh, come on. And it was qualifying, Saturday. And I said, oh, yes. I'm trying to cut up half, have a look. And is it Q1 or Q2? It's Q1. Uh, okay, well, great respect. I'm, we're gonna be a bit busy in the minute and we won't be able to watch Q2 because the cars are coming across the finish line. And then somebody else walked over and said, oh, I've got the Formula One on his iPhone in French. <laughs> and I just went, I'm stood in the middle of a field in Andalusia, it's 29, 30 degrees. And two people are watching live Grand Prix on a Saturday for the qualifying on their iPhones on 4G. And I went, yeah, how things change.
1: It's fantastic. It's brilliant. I think the moral of that story is that you've really got no excuse for missing any MotoGP race left this year, isn't it? None of us, none of us <laughs> have
0: got any excuse. And I uh, know, and uh, I I had my phone, I had my iPad where i got the mother GP apps on. And then my wife says, oh yeah, but you've got the pad, I can't watch it. And I said, well, go to my computer and log in through there. Uh, but then you can airdrop it to the Apple TV through the Wi-Fi, which is in the next room. And they watched it on the TV. and And I was telling her how to do it. Through WhatsApp audio, and I it stood in the middle of a field, by the way, or whatever wherever I was in Spain yesterday at a bar, and I went, yeah, that's the way forward. That's the way forward. Very good, very good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. Well, we've got no excuse, have we? And exactly. uh, you're going to be trackside. You're uh, you're going to be there, so you've got a yep. little bit of that frisson and that feel, even though you're not quite rubbing shoulders with everybody. At least you can wave at them through the glass. Um, it's like a live museum isn't it Simon
1: <laughs> something like that
0: yeah so uh, we look forward to the next race and our next Motor GP podcast here with the-race.com it'll be in a week's time right after the first of the Aragon double headers so two Aragons two Valencias and one Porto Mayo still to go keep in touch with our Twitter accounts at we are the race at Toby Moody, at Denkmit. for uh, for Simon Patterson. Do like and subscribe wherever you get your podcast from so that you don't miss anything. Thank you for joining us. We'll speak to you after Aragon. Bye for now.